This programme is sponsored by the Wolves Disabled Supporters Association. Giant is stirring. The dream is being realised. Hello and welcome to the Wolverhampton Wanderers Audio Matchday programme. And today, Wolves face Crystal Palace. In this issue, there are messages from Julen Lopetegui and your captain, Ruben Neves. We take a look at Mateus Nunes's post-match routine, and there's a feature piece on Jao Gomez. Welcome to the programme. It's Wolves versus Crystal Palace. First up, a note from your head coach, Julen Lopetegui. Julen writes... Good evening, and welcome back to Molyneux as we face Crystal Palace in the first of six finals that we have ahead of us. Because of the schedule, we've had a very quick turnaround from Saturday's match, and I want the players to approach tonight's game with a better mentality than that we showed against Leicester. None of us were happy at the weekend, because when you've lost, it's always a bad feeling. But even more so when you lose a very important match, a match which was very physically and mentally demanding. However, whether we've won or we've lost, we have to stay balanced and be ready for the next challenge which comes this evening against Crystal Palace. As soon as the match finished on Saturday, we were already putting our focus on tonight, as we aim to achieve a good result, which is going to be key for us. To be out of the relegation zone and stay in the Premier League is a very big aim for so many teams, but we're going to have to fight a lot in all of the matches we have remaining. Until the very end of the season, it's going to be a long, hard race. And this is something I repeat a lot, because it's the truth. We're still in the middle of the battle right now, and although people outside of the club might have thought after our wins against Chelsea and Brentford here at Molyneux that our job was done, Saturday proved that is not the case. And that has never been our mentality, at all. Inside the dressing room, the players are all very clear that we're still fighting to achieve our aim, and we know how hard we're going to have to work during these last six finals. To make it over the line, we also need the help of you, our supporters. We all want to do well and achieve our aims. But to do that, we need everyone, players, staff and fans, to bring everything they can to Molyneux this evening. I call on our fans to arrive inside the stadium 45 minutes before kick-off and help us from the warm-up and create the great atmosphere that matches under the lights here at Molyneux are known for. We need our supporters in all of the stands to come, as you always do, with the attitude to support from the moment the players first walk out of the tunnel for the warm-up and through the whole match. Please don't underestimate how much your support means to us and can help push us to achieve our aims especially in the difficult moments that we will face. On and off the pitch, we must be ready to do our job against a very hard team in Crystal Palace, and I welcome Roy Hodgson, his staff, players and supporters to Molyneux this evening. Roy is a very experienced manager who knows the Premier League better than anyone, so it's no surprise to me how well they've done since he returned. Crystal Palace are a team with very good players, but our focus before this game has been on our own strengths and what we can do to win. We have to be ready for every challenge in front of us, and we know we need to put everything inside of the pitch if we want to win, because each match is going to be a very hard task that requires a lot of hard work, but that work becomes easier when we hear your amazing support. Please give us everything you can once again this evening, and enjoy the game. Hulin. And now a message from your captain, Ruben Neves. Ruben writes... In our last two home games, we've been very happy to get the three points, and tonight we must aim for the same thing and get back on track. Saturday at Leicester was a disappointing afternoon for us. I felt we controlled the game in the first half and played good football, but in the second half they pressed us more and we struggled to keep the ball. At that point we needed more control, and after their second goal we had chances but didn't take them. 
This is football. They're fighting for the same aim as us, and we have to be better, but we are ready to battle till the end. I was suspended for the games against Chelsea and Brentford, which was disappointing, but I was proud of the performances the lads put in both times. I watched from the stand with the rest of our supporters, and they were fantastic afternoons, with everyone pushing for the same thing. Players, staff and supporters together. This is a special place to play football, and tonight I hope we can enjoy another memorable evening in front of our fans. Molyneux has felt like the old days at times recently. A full support makes things difficult for our opponents, and gives us an extra boost. I'm sure we can count on our supporters again tonight to create a fantastic atmosphere, which will hopefully help us build on our home form. Congratulations to Diego for scoring his first goal for the club against Brentford. Diego is a fantastic player, but also a great character for the dressing room, and he's helping us a lot towards our aim. Since he came to the club in September, he's been amazing, even when he's not been in the squad. He knows how to play football and has played at the top, and I'm sure he can help us more during the final six matches of the season. The spirit in the group is really good, as always. Everyone's fighting for the same thing, we're all really motivated to achieve our aim, and it's a big game tonight. I hope we'll make it a special night at Molyneux again. Jao Gomez Adding more Brazilian flair to Molyneux There has been a Brazilian flag flying high above Molyneux during almost every match since the club returned to the Premier League in 2018, and it now honours one of the most promising young players currently donning the old gold and black. Sitting on flagpoles which adorn the top of the Steve Bull stand, Wolves fly a nation's flag to represent every member of the men's first team, and the Bandeira do Brasil is there in all its glory. First it was in honour of Leo Bonatini, then Fernando Marzal, who was quickly followed into Wolves by William Jose. But this January the flag was back in place again, thanks to the signings of Mateus Cunha and Jao Gomez. The former arrived into Molyneux having spent all of his adult years in Europe and was already acclimatised to the ways of the biggest leagues in football. But for then-21-year-old Gomez, he was leaving his homeland for the first time, when he made the switch from boyhood club Flamengo. Gomez had been making a name for himself back in Brazil. Although he had not been exposed to international football, having been absent from his country's youth categories, there was no denying his talent from an early age. I've followed Jao since he was playing under-13s, Brazilian football expert Vene Casagrande told Wolves.co.uk. He's caught my attention ever since. It's a shame he never made a match for the junior categories of the Brazilian national team. Success in Flamengo's professional squad, at least for me, was no surprise. On the contrary, I think it took a while because some coaches, like Renato Gaucho, didn't know how to use the youngster in the best way. It took Gomez a few years of bedding into Flamengo's senior side before he was trusted to be a regular starter. As the club won several domestic titles with the midfielder playing a bit-part role, his breakthrough came during the past 18 months, as he played a starring role in securing the club's Copa Libertadores title, the equivalent of winning the Champions League in South America. Wolves scouts in Brazil have been tracking Gomez for a while, and with the arrival of Julen Lopetegui ahead of the latest transfer window, the head coach worked hard with sporting director Matt Hobbs to bring their target to Molyneux, despite some top European clubs desperate for his signature. Arriving in England and the Premier League with very limited English, Gomez has already shown his willingness and intelligence to learn the way of his new club. Lopetegui said of his midfielder, He's improving. He's getting to know the demands and the kind of play that you need to have in England. You have less space and less time, so you have to be ready to have faster answers, and he knows all this. But it's important to know not only the football, but the culture, to talk English. This is all important. 
You've got to involve yourself in the culture of the country you're working in, and he is trying to do it, so that's a good thing for him. His adaptation to English football has had to be quick. Less than two weeks after becoming part of the pack, he was brought on for his Premier League debut in Gold and Black. Wolves found themselves 1-0 down to relegation rival Southampton at St Mary's, with just 20 minutes remaining in the contest. But the Brazilian's introduction helped to turn the game on its head. Minutes after he came onto the pitch, Wolves were back level, and with just three minutes left on the clock, Gomez picked up the ball in the middle of the pitch before bouncing on a rebound on the edge of the Saints' box to side-foot a perfectly placed finish into the top corner of the net. Jao Gomez was finally freed, and it was the perfect start to his Wolves' career. Lee Naylor has been full of praise for Gomez since he arrived at the club, with the former fullback believing the 22-year-old could be a special player for Wolves. He has all the ingredients to be at the top, says Lee, and if he continues as he has been, there's going to be a lot of eyes on him from the top teams. For me, it's the football intelligence that he's got. When you first come to play in this country, you've got to learn very quickly, and they've identified that he's someone that sees danger, especially in his position. I think he's going to be a special, special player. With Wolves fighting against the drop, Gomez was forced to play a smaller role in the preceding fixtures, but when Ruben Neves was handed a two-game suspension for the recent matches against Chelsea and Brentford at Molyneux, the midfielder took the opportunity that opened itself with both hands. Two impressive displays and two vital wins for Wolves followed. His tenacious tackling and dynamic distribution saw him break up almost every attack the Blues attempted, something he continued against the Bees. When I see Jao play, I see me when I was younger, his midfield partner Mario Lamina said after the victory over Brentford. I really enjoy playing with him, he's really clever, he's really calm with the ball, but he fights a lot and that's what I really like. In the training we all know the quality of Jao and he deserved to play this kind of game. He deserved to play good, to enjoy the moments and he did really well. He was outrageous in the Chelsea game, he blew me away, Naylor added. I thought there were six or seven man of the matches, but I thought he put the tackles in that people don't like doing. You always say in the dressing room that they are the unsung heroes, the ones that don't get the accolades that the centre-forwards get, but for me, he was the standout against Chelsea. With Wolves not mathematically safe from the drop, it is still to be seen how much more of an impact Gomez will play for the remainder of the season. His own determination to become a Wolves player in January had seen Gomez earn cult hero status among the Molyneux faithful, but to maintain the adoration of his supporters, it's now all down to producing the goods on the pitch. But as he continues to learn under Lopetegui, as well as his fellow experienced midfielders in Neves, Lemina and Jarmutinho, the future looks very bright for Gomez. How far he can go in the future depends on him, Lopetegui added. When you talk about the future, the future only depends on the present, so you have to put the focus on your present. Above all, for me, it's being ready to be able to overcome the bad moments. In football, you have a lot of bad moments, and it depends on your answers, your character, your personality, how you face the demands. How far he can go depends on all these things. After the final whistle. Wolves midfielder Mateus Nunes shares his post-match routine. Back in the changing room. Normally we get into the changing room and the coach speaks, so we wait for him to speak, says Mateus. After, if I have to do an interview, I do it, then we do a couple of recovery exercises and use the machines to recover. After that, I shower, get dressed, go home. Reacting to a win or loss. It's the same routine. It just depends if we have three days of rest or a full week of rest, Mateus says. If we have a full week, normally we don't do the machines, we wait until the next morning. Speaking to the press. I'm okay with it, 
he says. I think I manage well. It depends on the result. Sometimes we get a little bit upset if we don't win, but it's part of what we have to do. We're professional, and even if we're upset, I'll still do it. Starting recovery. I use a machine which puts pressure on your legs. It helps with the blood, and if we have to do massages, I'll do it, or if I need to do stretches, I'll do that, says Mateus. Post-match food. I don't like to eat straight after a game, he says. My body is still going too quick, so I don't normally eat straight away. A couple of hours after, I get too starving and like to eat, of course. We can eat things with sugar because it helps you to recover. Getting over a defeat. If we have a day off, you have a free day to clear your mind, says Mateus. If you don't, you come in and the coach tells you the game has passed, so we should focus on the next. It depends if we have a full week until the next game, because then you'll think about it for one or two days, but if you only have a few days until the next game, you have to switch. Watching the game back. I don't watch every game, especially if we have a game three days after. I'll try to focus on the next day already and try to focus on the next game. Sometimes I do watch it, he says. Social media reaction. I don't search for comments, says Mateus. I just talk to friends through Instagram or WhatsApp. It's just private. I go on there to talk to them. Relaxing and recovering. I try to relax as much as I can, he says. But I have a little dog and she's full of energy. Even if I'm sad, I need to take her for a walk or I'll try to play with her. Other than that, I'll stay at home and relax. Talking it through. I speak with my godfather, I speak to my friends, or the day after I'll speak with my teammates, Mateus says. It's something that helps to get other perspectives on the game. The Visitors. The Eagles. Crystal Palace have turned the tide on their 2022-23 Premier League season, following the return of former manager Roy Hodgson. The ex-England boss took over the reins from Patrick Vieira just over a month ago, and his arrival saw an immediate upturn of form, with Palace winning all three of his first games in charge of the team, which has eased any relegation worries which might have started to set in. Last five. Southampton nil, Palace two. Eberechi Eze struck a brace as Palace earned their third win in succession under Roy Hodgson to condemn Southampton to defeat. Leeds one, Palace five. It was a five-star performance at Elland Road by Palace, as the Eagles hit Leeds United for five after Patrick Bamford had given the home side the lead. Palace 2, Leicester 1. Jean-Philippe Mateta struck a 94th-minute winner against Leicester, as Palace came home from behind to secure all three points in Hodgson's first game back as boss. Arsenal 4, Palace 1. Geoffrey Schlupp hit a second-half consolation for Palace at the Emirates during managerless Eagles' heavy defeat to Arsenal. Brighton 1, Palace 0. Solly March's goal for Brighton and Hove Albion was enough to condemn Palace to a defeat, which would ultimately cost Patrick Vieira his job as manager. First Impressions Wolves 2, Palace 2, the 16th of June 1909 Four years after Crystal Palace's formation, they met Division 2 Wolves in the FA Cup, with the side from the Southern League earning a 2-2 draw at Molyneux to take the game back to their home ground for a replay, which Palace won 4-2. Replayed. Wolves nil, Palace 2, the 15th of March 2022. The last time the two teams faced off at Molyneux was just over 12 months ago, and it was the Eagles who claimed all three points. A finish from Jean-Philippe Mateta and a Wilfred Zaha penalty secured victory for the visitors.
The Eagles' Magic Moments Number 1. Survival Sunday Six weeks after going into administration during the 2009-10 championship season, Crystal Palace were on the brink of relegation, a result which would likely have had devastating consequences for the club. After starting the season well under Neil Warnock, it took a turn for the worse, leaving a winner-stays-up final day clash with Sheffield Wednesday at Hillsborough. With the Eagles one point ahead of their rivals heading into the curtain closer, Paul Hart's side came away from Sheffield with a 2-2 draw and their second-tier status intact. Number 2. Champions of London During the first 70 years of their existence, with the exception of the World Wars, Crystal Palace took part in the London Challenge Cup, a competition organised by the London FA. In its fifth and sixth years, 1912-13 and 1913-14, Palace claimed successive titles, having overcome West Ham United at the second attempt in their first final after the initial game ended in a draw, before a 2-1 win against Tottenham Hotspur the following year cementing their place as champions of London. Number 3. Cristan Bull Most teams wouldn't fancy their chances when finding themselves three goals down against Liverpool with 15 minutes to play, let alone a Liverpool side which were aiming for their first ever Premier League title in history and on a run of 11 straight victories, but upstepped Crystal Palace. Late strikes from Damian Delaney and a brace from Dwight Gale ensured the Reds were on the wrong side of one of the greatest comebacks in top-flight history in 2014. Number 4. A perfect right-back hat-trick. Although this is a night that most Wolves fans would not hold dear to their hearts, it was one which will go down in Crystal Palace folklore. Days before their 2009-10 championship collapse began, Palace hosted the old goal in an FA Cup fourth-round replay, following a 2-2 draw at Molyneux winning through the most unlikely of circumstances. With the game goalless going into the break, Palace moved right-back Danny Butterfield up front in the second period, and the defender notched not only a perfect hat-trick to secure his side's place in the next round, but a perfect hat-trick inside six minutes. Number 5. Tasting Europe A third-place finish in the 1990-91 season was Palace's greatest-ever league finish, but because of a ban on English clubs taking part in European football, the Eagles were not able to qualify for the UEFA Cup. But they had previously tasted playing against European opposition in a competitive fixture thanks to their involvement in Anglo-Italian Cups. Palace's first involvement in 1971 saw them fall out at the group stages, before reaching the semi-finals in 1973, including wins over Verona, Bari and Lazio. But they eventually fell to defeat against Newcastle United. Scout Report, The Eagles Roy Hodgson's dream return to Crystal Palace continued ten days ago with three points at Southampton. Eberechieze scored twice after the break, meaning the Eagles had seven goals and six points from back-to-back away games, creating clear breathing space between themselves and the Premier League drop zone. Goal Threat Eberechieze hit a brace at Southampton last weekend to move him top of Crystal Palace's goal-scoring charts. Whenever the former QPR midfielder has scored his seven goals, Palace have remained unbeaten, including in their victory over Wolves at Selhurst Park in October. Assist King Michael Olise is the Eagles' chief creator. Earlier this month, the winger became the youngest player to assist three goals in one Premier League game after a deadly display at Leeds United. The 21-year-old has featured in every game since the opening day and has eight assists. Dead Ball Specialist When on the pitch, Luka Milivojevic is in the thick of the set-piece taking. The Serbian scored from the spot in the Carabao Cup, but Wilfried Zaha has missed both of Palace's Premier League spot kicks this term. 
Olise scored a goal of the season contender against Manchester United with a free kick. Midfield enforcer Under Roy Hodgson, Palace have enjoyed a settled midfield. Eze was involved constantly at Southampton, attempting more tackles than anyone else on the pitch with seven and enjoying the second-most touches behind Olise. He's willing to get stuck in as well as score the vital goals. Providing fresh legs With Palace 2-0 up and cruising, they turned to Will Hughes for fresh legs at St Mary's. The midfielder replaced Odsonne Eduard for the final 16 minutes. Of his 21 appearances this term, 18 have come from the substitutes bench. This programme is brought to you by the Wolves Disabled Supporters Association. For more information, please contact Dennis Green. You can find all the information you need at facebook.com forward slash Wolves DSA. The giant is stirring. The dream is being realised. First Steps Examining the clubs which handed the current old gold stars their first opportunity in the professional game. And Estoril, who gave Toti his senior break, are next up. Professional debut. Estoril 1, Academico Visu 3. 5th of May 2019. Toti's professional debut came in May 2019 during Estoril's 3-1 defeat to Academico Visu. He started the game and played 69 minutes before he was replaced by Rafael Furlan. He was rewarded with 90 minutes in the following two games. Their history. Estoril were founded in May 1939. Fausto Cardoso de Figueiredo, the wealthy owner of several attractions in the city, including the Estoril Casino and Lisbon Cascais Railway, was the main investor. They reached the Taca de Portugal final just four years after being founded, but lost 8-0 to Benfica in the final. Estoril were promoted to the top flight of Portuguese football in 1944 where they lasted until 1953. The club then spent 22 years in the second division before securing promotion back to the Primeira Liga. Their stadium. Estoril Stadium is called the Estadio Antonio Coimbra da Mota and was built back in 1938. It underwent reconstruction in 2009 and now holds 8,000 spectators. The stadium also plays host to Estoril's reserve team fixtures, while the Sweden national team used it during their preparations for Euro 2004. In March 2015, the Portuguese national team played a friendly against Cape Verde at the stadium, losing 2-0. Their trophies Estoril have won 10 trophies in their history. However, they have all come at lower levels of the Portuguese footballing pyramid. They have won the second tier on three occasions, most recently in 2021, while they have won the third tier five times. Furthermore, when the club won the second division in the 2011-12 season, the Player of the Year, Goalkeeper of the Year and Coach of the Year awards all went Estoril's way. Wolves link Toti is one of three current Wolves stars to have previously played for Estoril. Chiquinho joined the old gold from the Portuguese club in 2022, while Mateus Nunes spent one year at Estoril before he signed for Sporting CP. Former Wolves forward Renat Dadshov also joined the club from Estoril in 2019. Disability focus. Deafness. Ian. Deafness affects 5% of Wolves' disabled supporters. 
Many deaf supporters bring a personal assistant with them to communicate, as they cannot hear the chatter, the songs or staff when they communicate. BSL is now officially recognised via an Act of Parliament, and companies will be more inclusive towards anyone who uses BSL as a first or preferred language. At Wolves, Molyneux has an interpreter on site for matchdays, who can help supporters communicate with stewards and matchday staff in ticketing or the shop. Wolves supporter Ian was born profoundly deaf, and uses BSL as his first language. He can hear roars, but not the individual words of songs or chatter. His friend Peter relays everything to him. Ian loves a match day. Being deaf does not stop his love for wolves. To celebrate Deaf Awareness Week on the 2nd of May, wolves invite you to learn to ask how are you in BSL. For more information on accessibility at wolves, please contact fanservices at wolves.co.uk. Ian's favourite ever wolves player, Derek Duggan. Favourite away ground? Arsenal. Favourite Wolves moment? Any moment involving Jao Moutinho. What Wolves means to me? Ian says, Wolves have been my passion since the age of six. My best friend was a Wolves fan, and always was there to help me as a deaf lad. He started taking me to games. He explained about the game, which I loved. I went on to coach both deaf and hearing football teams across the age ranges. I always look forward to going to a Wolves game, and the anticipation and excitement in the car is always high. Wolves has always been a part of me. I can't imagine my life without it. Wolves World Cup 5 aside After the 2022 World Cup took place during the middle of this season, we're ending the programme by asking those connected with the old gold to create their ultimate Wolves 5 aside team, but with an international twist. Each player has to have represented a different country. Next up, offering his team, is Features Editor at Mundial and Wolves fan James Bird. Goalkeeper, Hans Segers. Childhood memories are a strange thing, says James. You definitely make some of them up. I've been convinced for years that my first game at Molyneux was a 6-1 loss to Oxford. Don't think that happened. What did happen, though, during those early years as a Wolves fan, is Hans Segers saving a last-minute penalty from Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank against Leeds in the FA Cup while wearing that incredible red and green Goodyear goalkeeper shirt with the wolf head pattern all over. In you get, super hands. Defender, Jolyon Lescott. People regularly talk about footballers who can see what happens before it happens, but I genuinely think Jolyon Lescott could, says James. The way he would interpret a forward pass, brush through the striker and get to the ball before it reached him was magical to watch. And then the whole pitch would open up for him and he'd glide through the centre of the park with the opposition pinging off him. Beautiful, and a key part to any great five-a-side team is a centre-half who can carry the ball. Midfielder, Ruben Neves. I can hear what you're thinking. Is there enough space in a cage for Ruben Neves to play his big lovely passes? Will he have enough time to pick up the perfect through ball? Doesn't matter, says James. Stop thinking about it. Neves is the most naturally gifted footballer Wolves have had during my lifetime, and it's a privilege to watch him work. Plus, think about it, anywhere on the pitch is a shooting opportunity. You're three goals ahead before the game's even kicked off. Midfielder, Nenad Milias. Sometimes what you need to complete your five-a-side midfield is a chain-smoking, hair-retreating, Belgrade-born man to yomp around the middle of the pitch, sporadically doing the most sensual things you've ever seen anyone do with their left foot. So gentle with the ball one moment, booting the valve out of it the next, Nenad Milias was a constantly out-of-breath rock-and-roll star, who's bringing his white boots and white ankle tape to the heart of this team. Forward, Raul Jimenez. 
This could have been Ebanks Blake. It could have been Nda, says James. It could have been Freddie Eastwood or Dean Sturridge or Kenneth Miller. But it has to be Raoul, really. During those incredible wins against teams like Manchester City, Manchester United, Spurs, it was his name that reverberated around stadiums most. It's his song I still sing in the shower most mornings. It's his song I'll be singing from the side of the five-a-side pitch. Si, senor. The giant is stirring. The dream is 